Welcome back to another episode of On Notice. Today, you're joining us in the midst of our series on the miseducation of singleness. If you're not already caught up, I'm not too sure what you're waiting for. So hit pause and go ahead and do that now. Today on the couch, we are joined by Daniel Poku, old friend and SMU graduate. He's the current VP of SRS Real Estate Partners and faithfully serving as the campus pastor of Shoreline City Church Mockingbird Station. My name is Daniel Poku, and living an intentional life allows me to help rescue the lost. some of the pillars of your life that sort of just like guide you in your manhood in your existence what are those things that you I mean obviously you're leaning on God but like characteristics qualities that are just like most important to you now if material is not that thing that's good that's great that's a good question um that's a, the pillars that help define my manhood I would say um one of the things I quickly learned um and this was a lot about just the Christian lens of this, but it's being vulnerable. A lot of manhood, masculinity, the idea that ascends is that you are not supposed to show vulnerability. You are supposed to be um, bona fide, never cry, all those things. That's even something my dad would have promoted just in his own behavior, right? We just, in African families, you don't see a lot of that type of emotion. You might see other emotions, but not the, the sad vulnerable, <laughs> right? But so for me, it was um, being vulnerable with other, other people, being vulnerable with other guys, being able to look weak in the sense that the world would call weak, but really um, even my Christian, um, the Christian mindset and what I know uh, about God, how he sees us, letting him be strong in yeah. my week. Mm-hmm. So that, that was something that radically changed whether or not from moment to moment, I would even get sad enough and vulnerable enough and open enough with other guys that I trust and let them know what's going on. That really helped me be transparent about things going on in my life. There were a lot of people even at school and beyond school that would do life without telling you what wounds they're actually walking through, you know, what, what hurts they're actually dealing with, right? I remember the first time I had a conversation with somebody that was literally like, man, I think you have an alcohol problem. Like, I'm not going to keep not saying that. Like, you come home every single weekend and there's something wrong. Like, you, you have to bail you out of jail or something. Like, you might have a problem. This is the first time I've ever had to have a conversation with somebody, but what I was used to in that moment right, was having conversations with other guys about, you know, struggling with, like, lust and porn and just different, like, you get vulnerable, right? So at least you're familiar with, let's go to a place that might not feel comfortable, but is necessary to talk about. And so that helped equip me for some of those conversations where I was like, bro, I love you, but do you not see a problem? Like, and just starting there, not no judgment, but just, do you not see a problem? So vulnerability was one of the game-changing pillars of what has made me who I am because I let people into my mess um, and then that also led to this humility which I don't think 
vulnerability exists without a degree of humility, right? Um, that informed a lot of things. I always thought in high school that I was better than other people. Like, you're struggling with this. You're doing these things. You're practicing these bad. It made me have a big head. Like, I, I was like, I'm good. Like, I'm good. Um, but that got quickly transformed my thinking and showed me that that I'm not all that, I have not arrived and that there's a lot of work I need to do on myself. And so humility, vulnerability, um, and then what else would I say? Um, and just respect of women in general, just respect. Did I have conversations with my parents about that? No, I, I'm not even gonna sit here and tell y'all. We didn't have a conversation about that at all. We didn't have the birds and the bees or whatever. We, we didn't have any of those conversations. We, they kind of just let us manage that ourselves, which I, I, I feel good about what I've learned and what I know. Um, it could have gone a completely different route, but um, just respect of women, respect even in my language. Um, the locker room type stuff, like I just, early on, man, I just couldn't partake in that. And, um, you know, it, it creates a distance, but it's actually healthy. You, you, you mourn the distance that it has to create between you and some friends, but it's healthy. Um, the guys who would be talking about doing this and doing that, like that's, that's all right. I'm, we're good. This is the distance I'm going to keep between me and you and the language you use to describe dating and, you know, how you're pursuing dating and like you had to unlearn some things going to college. And I know that's the, the culture of a lot of colleges, not just SMU, but that, hookup culture, all those things. They don't create ways of valuing women moment by moment, conversation by conversation, act by act. Like, so it can create this culture that you come out as a grown man and you think a certain way about who women like you are and the value you have. And it just, you, you start from negative like five. <laughs> You're not at zero. People are still, even in our adulthood, like navigating those spaces and figuring out and learning what it means to respect themselves, respect women um, in general. I want to ask you just in that, in that vein, when you talked about creating that distance, what, what does that look like? How do people who are maybe trying to like create that distance between some of the things that they maybe used to do and no longer want to be a part of, how do you do that in a realistic way? That that's, that's a really... Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good question. And you're really getting to something that, that's very tough, right? And if I, you don't have that, that vulnerability and that outspokenness, it's, it's going to be a challenge. You're either going to be a part of it complicitly, quietly, like this kind of surrender, like I'm not going to say anything, like you're not saying anything, but let, let it just keep happening. I'm still associating with them. Or the more active approach, which is like, hey, y'all, we can't, like, we can't be talking about people like that. That's crazy. Like, dude, like, it, it, for me, I always try to connect with heart. So I would always be like, man, you just said you treated her like this and moved on. How do you think that makes that girl feel, man? Like, what do you think that does to her as a person? Right? If you can get somebody to focus on that for a while and make a connection that any one of us can make if we have a sister or a mom, you're forcing them to fight a battle 
on the inside. And it's not one you can win if you take it. You, you put the heart right on them. It's not one you can win because you can't sit here and convince me the way you just talked about that girl that you're no longer interested in and the way you treated her. If, if I ask you to frame it differently and say, what if that was like your daughter, man? Or like, what if that's your sister? Like your sister's in college or about to go to college. What if somebody treated your sister like that? Like, what would you do to them? Oh yeah, you want to throw blows? Like what? <laughs> like, so you want to fight yourself now, like, right? Because that's what you're doing. So you've got to make it personal. If you can bring the heart out of the, into the equation and just put it right in front of people, um, you don't seem, you risk less in terms of blowback. Because at that moment, it's like, oh, wow, like, that's a very humble conversation we're having. I'm not even judging you. I'm just saying, you're hurting somebody. Like, you're hurting somebody. I'm not saying you're a jerk. I'm not saying, I'm not making some kind of global statement like that. I'm just saying, what about her heart? What about her feelings? For the next part of this conversation, we are talking with Poku about how women can potentially perpetuate false ideals of manhood. He shares his experience as he's counseled young men and women navigating the dating space. If we start here, like this is kind of the, this is the playground, right? This is, these are the ground rules. Yeah. It's most guys grow up at the very least to know we're supposed to pursue you guys, right? Like that's, we're supposed to be the one pursuing, like we're supposed to be the one asking for your number, asking for your name, like we're supposed to be setting up a date, um, making you feel like you're some kind of a princess. At the very least, I think guys get that. Like you that's you foundation. And then maybe some dog, maybe some dog straight up. Yeah. I know y'all, y'all are already like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I'm like, this is chapter one to me, but no, you're right, you're right. And even still, people aren't on chapter one, but for the guys who get that, I do think there's there's still more on top of that. And um, the way that women can perpetuate this toxic masculinity is if they stay on chapter one and keep allowing chapter one to be what allows them to date the guy four or five, six, seven, eight times and, and keep it going, right? Um, for a lot of us guys who, who you know, are behaving with this idea of toxic masculinity and, and trying to be macho or, 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 or some other version of it, like trying to um, really not even pursue with respect or um, there's a lot of guys that I've heard that are just completely verbally abusive, like, um, or don't pursue you that well, right? Or it's like, hey, let's hang out. Like, and it's like, do I, my measure is I got to make my girl feel like a princess. If I'm not doing that, I'm, I'm not aiming right, right? So, like, I'm not doing enough. So, I just feel like there's a lot of guys who are very casual about their approach. Um, and you start to feel, I always say this, if a girl asks a guy, what are we? The guy has failed every time. That's just, if you aren't being intentional enough about what you are trying to do. And if she asks, what are we? Um, save for the exceptions like if it's the first day what the heck but like after that like if you've been there for four or five weeks yeah like if a girl asks for what are we there's a little bit of an expectation that you have already communicated and conveyed some kind of intention or direction that you have if a girl asks that question most times it's because she feels like you're directionless as a guy right you don't have any intention that is either well-meaning or directed or serious, which all of those are not good. 
So the way women perpetuate this is that they accept it. <laughs> like if you don't drop the man to the curb, he's never going to grow because his practice is succeeding. His yeah. approach working. So I've talked to so many girls. I'm like, dump him so I can handle him later. Like not, nothing I can do. I can't talk to this guy and say he is not doing it right. If you are still dating the guy, I'm telling you right now, most guys that I've been able to speak into about their approach and changes that they need to make in their lives and really pursuing girls with right hearts. And, um, and I mean their own hearts being right and even having a, uh, a heart that protects and wants to value women, um, right? So the opposite of toxic masculinity, me, me trying to get them to that next chapter is impossible if all they needed to do was get to chapter one and just that that works, that works. I've never been able to speak life into a guy who is successfully dating another girl. It's always when he gets dumped or he has been single for a long time. Those are the only two pedigrees of guys that I can ever speak into because at that moment, their ears are listening to you. But if you are still dating him and, and some girls do this, Hey, can you fix? I'm like, if you dump him, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to try to fix anybody like, like that has those significant challenges. I don't mean that. I, I, I'm not even trying to sound judgmental. I don't mean like, um, like little small things. I mean like, some of the things that are just like, hey, yeah. he's talking to you crazy. Like, wait, if he's talking to you crazy, what are you still doing with it? Like, right. If he's not taking you on dates anymore, what? Like, I'm just like, like, are you not having a conversation with him? Like, are you, what, what, what you accept, he thinks is permitted and he thinks it works. So I can't in the same breath tell that guy, hey, you need to do better if it's already working. So that's the one way, like seriously, you asked me that question, Drew, I'm ready to answer that question because I can't tell you how many women I have to literally get so firm with. I'm like, dump this man, like he's trash. Like love everybody to death, but he's trash. Like he's not for you. Like that man's not holding doors for you. He's not showing you that he's trying to take you somewhere. Like dump him. Mm. <laughs> I feel like in that we are all, we are all a part of what could perpetuate that. Like if there's not enough guys that are going to, you know, kick other guys in the pants, but there's not enough girls who are going to tell that guy, this isn't it. Like you are not what I'm looking for, man. Um, then this circle is going to keep working and it's going to keep, there are guys that are going to keep succeeding and getting into marriage, but then texting other women and, hey, I've got this other thing over here. And it's like, what? Like, what? <laughs> like, if we, if we can just for two seconds, just put the focus on guys, right? I'm not saying that women are also at fault in the same ways. There's toxic masculinity, but there's also toxic femininity too. I just feel like for, if we're talking about guys, yeah. um, there are things that could have been, um, the roadblocks could have been put up. And if there are enough mature women that put those roadblocks up, that, that force a pain in that guy that then he's listening to somebody who's got advice and wants to improve him and push him forward, then it, this could work. That cycle kind of breaks. And then it's like, oh, I, I got to do something different. So just like in there, the idea that like first, and I think Drew touched on this as well, but just like, 
knowing for yourself who you are and what is acceptable for you is important. Um, but then like guys also have to be willing to do that work and know for themselves what they want and what their heart should look like and right what posture is best for them. Um, and so really, I mean, I think it's just like on both ends, everybody just needs to, as not even like male or female, just like as a human being, you should be working towards a better version of Right, right. Everybody right. works towards a better version of themselves. We'll be able to sort of break different cycles um, when they appear. You have a girlfriend, correct? I do, I do, yeah. I do. So like, as you enter into that relationship, how does your manhood show up? How are you, what, what does that sort of look like? Yeah, that's good, that's good. So I date different, I really do date different. And, um, and the guys that I like mentor, disciple, I tell them this. Um, I know it sounds like too much or whatever, but I, I um, so a lot of the things that have defined my manhood, vulnerability, humility, I mean, those show up here too, right? Why not, right? So I, I want those to be things that are being cultivated from the front end. I want to know who you are. To me, if I'm dating with intention, the first date, and I, I say this at the risk of not even making the girl that I'm with seem special, right? I don't say this to her on the first couple of dates, but I don't say this part. I don't say the fact that I do this with every girl that I'm dating, okay? But I do tell her eventually. And the first date, if I'm feeling it, I literally ask, and I tell all the guys on my life to do the same thing, or the females, I say, hey, I like this. I would love to continue dating you. Do you want to go for a second date? If she says yes, I said, give me three reasons why. Whoa. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> and then I tell her, no, straight up. And straight up. And sometimes I start by telling her why I want to take her out. But either way, she's going to hear feedback from me as to why I asked her again. And then I ask her to tell me why she wants to go out with me. Now, how much can you learn in a first date? I think that's debatable. But, you know, most of my first dates, just if I'm feeling her, like I'm there for like two hours and I, we've talked a lot. And so I want to know why in the conversation, in the span of this conversation, you still want to spend time with me. And I want you to know why I want to spend time with you. Now, there are things I'm looking for in a response, not specifically, but generally. I'm looking for character heart type conversations versus you have a nice smile and you know what I mean? Like, that's great. Sure. You can say that that can be one of them, but two thirds of it needs to be, what did you learn that was beyond skin deep? Because now I know I'm talking to somebody who's looking for something that's beyond skin deep. If you only tell me skin deep things, I know for a fact you might be a girl who's only looking for skin deep things. So I've asked every single girl that I've dated in the last four years, that same thing. I want to take you out again. I'd love to date you to get to learn more about who you are. Do you want to do you want to go out on another date? And if she says yes, tell me three reasons why. Point blank. So um, that shows up. That shows up. That intentionality shows up. She immediately knows that I'm trying to take her somewhere. And that place is, I want to learn more about you. Um, and what I'm calling dating is this, like us getting to know each other. And then I want to know um, what you think. And I want you to get feedback about what I think. Of course, what I'm going to say better be beyond skin deep. Because 
even if her answer doesn't intrigue me that much, but I'm still interested, my answer should show her that I'm, at least the tone of this is that I'm looking for something beyond skin deep. So if she says, you have a nice smile, like, I just love like your energy, like, okay, cool, 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 cool. But I'm saying, man, I love the story you told about this. Like, it just showed me that like you care about people, right? So I'm just, I'm telling her and letting her know that I'm going beyond skin deep. So um, it, it definitely shows up with the fact that I want to be intentional in my first dates. Any dating that I've had to end, it, the, the way it starts, I reflect the ending, right? So there's one girl I was like, hey, just want to ask you out, want to see if we can date, get to know each other. And I'll always say at the beginning, like, let's start this until one of us says, let's stop doing this, right? Let's, let's, let's get on this train. And if one of us calls quits, that's totally fine. You know, but at the end, if, if, if I have to call it quits, I'm very intentional about how I do that. And it's always face to face. So it's like, hey, if I'm going to lead in it, I'm going to lead out of it too. So intention should exist in both of those places, both of those points in the dating. So, um, and then of course, date night, we have expectation conversations. What do you expect dating to look like? Because some people come from a completely different background. I want to know what yours is, right? Uh, I want to share what mine is and maybe we can meet up in the middle for what this looks like. Um, and then beyond that, if it evolves, I think every guy should definitely define the relationship. Meaning like, hey, we've dated, I've gotten to know you. I love this, this is great. I see a future here, um, you know, it sounds cheesy, but I, I definitely do it. I say, hey, can do you want to be my girlfriend? And I make a big thing out of it. Like, it's an event. Today, like, I just, I, I, that's how I've done it. That's how I've always done it. Like, it's an event. Like, it's Valentine's Day, for example, is when I did it. And um, it was an event. People thought I got engaged. I, I'm always a little bit extra, but, like, it's an event. To me, it's, you've got to, you don't just, you don't just move into that without saying and formalizing anything. And my opinion, that's my opinion. Now, some guys disagree with me for sure, but at least... I always say clarity is always a good thing. I, I don't think clarity is a bad thing. I don't think you can ever fail bringing more clarity to a relationship. So telling a girl, hey, I want to date you. Like, I want this. Let's, let's be boyfriend and girlfriend. Like, as cheesy as that sounds, like, I do that just so she has clarity, right? Um, I love Miles Monroe. He said the deepest desire, and I don't know if y'all agree with this, but the deepest desire of a woman is to feel secure. The deepest desire of a man is to feel significance. Mm -hmm. um, and it resonated with me because when I think of security, I don't just think the way some people feel it, which is, oh, like security kind of feels like you guys need something that comes from some external thing. No, no, no. I mean, just spiritual, emotional security, that can come from you, like, right? That can come from you, right? Um, but if a guy does come in the picture, if a guy's on the street and somebody comes up to y'all, he's not gonna protect you. Like, come on, man. Like, you're a dog, right? Like, you, you better protect, right? But there's physical, there's emotional, there's spiritual. If I'm in a relationship, I ascribe to that idea that that is something that's at least valued. Uh, because what I try to bring in the relationship, given that idea, is that I try to bring some spiritual security. Like, I, that influences the way I date her, right? So we do do a little bit of a Bible study every once in a while, 
Like we do have a worship night. We just turn on music and we're just worshiping together because I really feel like the spiritual security should influence the way that you date, like, right? So the emotional security, we, we have conversations. I want us to be vulnerable and intentional with like what we're feeling and how we're experiencing the dating and, and life just in general, right? That's part of getting to know each other. Um, and so with the emotional security thing, one of the things that I do every like quarter in the relationship or so is to just ask randomly, only when we're doing great, like only when like things are great, we just had a phenomenal date night, like, like we feel like we're on cloud nine. I'll ask the question, hey, what's one thing that you are insecure about? regarding this relationship it could be anything and typically i've got to dig for it in that moment but i've opened up a space where we have complete permission to say tough things to each other that maybe somebody's not hitting the mark and uh, not doing a good job of this um and so i think that i think that's i don't know what that sound is but it might be mine um but um i really think that that's important because that moment is a moment of, oh, can I really go there, right? And the more you go there, the more you create this space that's just like, okay, I feel like I don't have to hide because dating starts when everybody's wearing their hair nice and doing the nicest thing, oh, and then it all starts to die a little bit, just a little bit, like that's not the goal, right? But we just start to like, okay. If people want to go beyond skin deep with just the human race, what advice would you give them? That's good. That's good. I feel like um, you've just got to make connections. Um, there is something that everybody identifies with, regardless of even race, gender. There is something that everybody identifies with. Um, and uh, people are either striving for um, belonging or love or just this idea of a sense of purpose. I, truly, like those two things in nine out of 10 cases, you can't find somebody who doesn't, at least if they're willing to share one of their deepest needs, it, it sits within those two buckets. So if you can connect with them on whatever the level they're trying to answer those questions, whatever they're trying to do to, to achieve belonging or, or a sense of love or feeling of love or a sense of purpose, if you can just meet with them at that level, that's what I try to do as a pastor every time. Like whether I'm meeting with somebody in my church, discipling them, or whether I'm meeting with a complete stranger who may not even know God, the, the common denominator is we're looking for purpose or we're, lo we're looking for love. The ways we're looking for that, I mean, that's, what we're seeing to be a lived life, right? And some people are looking for it in the wrong places. Some people are looking for love in the wrong places. Some people are looking for purpose in the wrong places. Some people are at the moment where they're like, what is my purpose? This sucks. I thought it was my job. It's not, right? If you can just meet them in that conversation, in that searching, in that digging, oh man, I'm telling you, like, that's where ministry happens. That is where that connection point happens because there's a God in heaven who speaks to those things. And Tim Keller says it best. The world's answer for it isn't even as good as God's answer. <laughs> like, it isn't even as good as God's answer. It was so I love it. Tim Keller, the way Tim Keller can talk to people who aren't Christian 
right, who are atheists or agnostic, is he still meets them at the girlfriend that they're trying to uh, date or the purpose that they're trying to uh, characterize themselves with. Um, it's, and he's like, man, you can talk with them about those things and lead them to Christ without even bringing them to Christ. But the bottom line is it's because Christ has a better way for them. You don't have to lead with that, though. You can just lead them in the fact that you're opening up, having a conversation, and letting them know that there's an answer. Yeah. But God has a better answer than the one they're trying to, 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 to make their check. So that's what I, like, literally, bam, like, that has changed my life. That whole idea, purpose, belonging. To wrap up here, we just kind of like to ask, um, where do you find joy? What, what brings you joy? That's a great question. And I love everything y'all do. I love the issues you guys elevate um, and the purpose of this podcast. So I appreciate you guys for having me on. Um, what brings me joy? I would say that when you're connected to this idea that God allows you to be on the chessboard, right? When he allows you to, to, to be a piece that he can move and do something with and you can connect with people and you can be the person who connects with somebody who's seeking for purpose and might be at their lowest low. It just changes the game. It changes the game. And the fact that um, the way I say it is I can be purpose right next to problems. Just the gratitude you have that you are imperfect because we each know how imperfect we are to the deepest extent, right? So does God. But when we know how imperfect we are, yet we're used, you sit in that reality and you're like, hold on, like, it doesn't really make sense to me that he would choose me to be a part of something this significant. Wouldn't he think that I'm going to mess this up? But you realize time and time again, trusting him, surrendering, he, he puts purpose right next to problems and you get to be a part of that beautiful solution. So that is what gives me joy. When I see that where my feet have been planted right next to somebody else, it has meant, it has made a difference. Put me where you want me, God, because I just want to be a piece on the board. We want to give a very special thank you to all of our faithful listeners and followers who joined us in our very first book giveaway. If you missed out on that opportunity, no worries, because Sai and I have been reading a book called The Seven Myths of Singleness that has been an incredible resource as we learn what it means to live a purposeful and intentional life, even while single. So ensure that you're following us on social media at On Notice Brand so that you don't miss our announcement about our next book giveaway. All right, y'all. Love and light. I'm Drew. And it's your girl, Sai. And you have officially been put... On notice.